0: Welcome to the Sales Enablement Society Stories from the Trenches, where enablement practitioners share their real-world experiences. Get the scoop on what's happening inside sales enablement teams across the global SES member community. Each segment of Stories from the Trenches share the good, the bad, and the ugly practices of corporate sales enablement initiatives learned, what worked, what didn't work, and how obstacles were eliminated by corporate teams and leadership. Sit back, grab a cold one, and join host Paul Butterfield for casual conversations about the wide and varied profession of sales enablement, where there is never a fits-all solution. Hello,
1: and welcome back to another episode of the Sales Enablement Society podcast, Stories from the Trenches. The only for us, by us podcast that I'm aware of, where we bring practitioners from all over the world, and we talk about things that we often encounter that are similar. In fact, it's interesting even across different cultures, enablement chases some very, uh, very similar challenges. So we bring together these practitioners. We talk about what's working. We talk about innovative ways they're finding things. And sometimes we even talk about face plants because you can learn a lot from making a mistake and backing up and figuring it out. So, I want to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Megan Davis. Megan is the um, Director of Sales Enablement at Hunters. And I'll let you fill in some more about yourself.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. And thanks for having me on. Uh, Like you said, I'm the Director of Sales Enablement at Hunters. And Hunters, for a, a quick sound bite, is a cybersecurity software startup and we help security operations teams uh mitigate real threats faster and more reliably with other or than other sim solutions uh so my role within that is to equip and educate all of our customer facing employees really to have valuable conversations with our prospects and sometimes customers um, so they can all realize the value that our solution brings and ultimately to help grow and, um, and keep business.
1: That's what we're here to do. Grow and keep the business. <laughs> yes. Especially focus on the grow. All right. Well thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, I want to start off with it's well, it's my favorite question because I gets to ask it every episode, which is the Jimmy Kimmel Challenge. So yes, uh, he steps down, retires, and you're offered his show. Number one, I'd love to know how you got that. But number two, um, who is your very first guest and why did you bring them onto the show?
2: Yeah. So first I think I'd have to have a very like sharp haircut. I feel like you have to have that, like that look, if you're going into that role. And after that, first guest, because I'm obsessed with kind of optimizing performance and how much capability or capacity we have to really, really learn and grow. Um, and I think that that goes across different, um, different functions and different activities. So the person that I would interview is Elliot Kipchoge. Uh, he is the current marathon world record holder and I'm a runner myself. So he really is inspiring in in that aspect as well. Uh, but I'd ask him about his mindset, like what, what he went through, what mental hurdles that he overcame to break a record and do something that no human has ever done before. Right. Um, I think that'd just be fascinating to learn about. And I also would want to ask him, uh, what he's planning to do next, right? After you've already accomplished this, what, what, what what's next on now. his agenda?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go to Disneyland besides that.
2: So. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Relax. Right. Maybe who knows. So,
1: so do you have any imminent races that you're preparing for?
2: Um, I I am actually, I'm running a half marathon, um, over in Martha's vineyard in a couple months.
1: That sounds really pretty. Yeah, it should be. All right. Good luck with that. So there's a lot of debate conversation going on, um, around, you know, who is the target audience for sales enablement, you know? And so when you, when you say that, you say the term sales enablement, that maybe limits it a little bit. And so there's some other terms that, that you're starting to hear people throw around, but what's your take on it?
2: My take on this. uh, And I think this really goes back to kind of the, the root of sales enablement and it being a program and not a series of activities or kind of random asks um, Mm -hmm. of, of different departments. And I think traditionally your audience is sales. So account executives, different levels of sellers from BDRs, SDRs to managers, et cetera. Um, in experience, that, that gets broadened, which is a good thing, um, but we're thinking about. So, um, you know... That can include the go-to-market team or all your customer-facing employees, so uh, marketing, customer success, sales engineers. Um, that can also be broader in some cases. We've I've had trainings that all employees at the company took. Right, if it's a you know your elevator pitch for your company that everyone should know. Mm-hmm. um, or, or something. I wish all
1: companies believed that. Sorry. I mean, um, because my experience, they don't, right. People think the elevator pitch is just for sales, but you're, you're so right. Everybody really should be able to understand and talk about it. Cause you never know.
2: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I completely agree. And everyone at your company could bump into one of your prospects, right. At mm-hmm. in line for lunch or, mm-hmm. you know, at the car wash, whatever had it, it is it on vacation. Yep. You
1: know, like, yep. like not even in the same country, right. As normal and run into customers. So, yep. You never know.
2: Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, um, you know, thinking about who at your company you should be enabling and thinking about that while you're designing your program or your curriculum really sets you up for success. And even going beyond that, which is something I've been thinking about lately, And maybe that's a product of being at a a startup where I have kind of more lateral, you know, flexibility in terms of what my role is. But what about your customers, right? Because Mm -hmm. your customers who become champions really do that by being able to articulate the value of your solution and, you know, how it's bringing them success in their role. So I I think it's... um, an interesting topic to kind of open up and learn what enablers are uh, experiencing, who they're actually enabling in their day to day.
1: When you're trying to, because I like what you said about you know decide who your target is or who you're who's in your charter, you know before designing your program, so that you're you're thinking about every everyone. They don't all need the exact same kind of enablement. You need to allow for that. Um, who have you found the the right stakeholders to be, to help an enablement leader, figure that out. If it's, if it's, you know, cause if the conversation's beyond sales, which is what a lot of people are hired for, right. Who should they be talking to? Or, or how do they start that conversation?
2: Good question. And I think I'll, I'll preface that by saying, um, it's still a journey. Like don't, don't forget your core audience, you know, make sure you have your, your building blocks in place and your, your sellers are enabled, Mm-hmm. I think beyond that though you know if you're doing your job well, other departments will reach out to okay. you and ask what you're doing, mm-hmm. right or ask mm-hmm. for access for your team, so you can use that as kind of a a hint about you know which team you should ask and and talk to next um so I think kind of listening to those requests and really being proactive about talking to different teams when they reach out is key, and two teams that um i found maybe could use more love sometimes from enablement and it's not always built in from the start are like the HR team and your customer success team, um, HR, uh, because it's very closely tied into onboarding mm-hmm. and customer success, because it's not just, a. um, if you're just enabling your, your sales team to sell and close the deal and not thinking about how it impacts the entire you know, life cycle of your, your customer, then that's, that's mm-hmm. a mistake. So I think going in and learning from your customer success team about, you know, what, what their understanding of, of your solution is and how our customers are experiencing it is really important. Mm-hmm.
1: The challenge might be for someone in enablement to really, I mean, there's no natural way that they typically talk to customers. Maybe it's the user conference, if there's like an annual user conference. But do you have any any recommendations or just just ideas that have worked for you? How does an enablement person get that voice of the customer?
2: In my experience, I took kind of the approach I outlined and ended up talking a lot with our our customer experience team. And mm-hmm. what what the conversation kind of gravitated to was our customer onboarding. Um, and I I learned. What the current state for that was, how it was being done. And, you know, being a startup, you're always kind of building the plane while you're flying it per se. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I got the opportunity to work with the customer success team and create a customer certification. Um, so I think a lot of benefits that will derive from that. But that's how you know we get the, that customer access because we'll have beta customers go through it, okay. right? They want to onboard faster and
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: get feedback from those early customers, and and so on. So that's just one way that that I've had um, success doing that.
1: That's ideal, I would think, right? Because then you have that you have you can interact, you can ask follow up questions, and you know it's just it's just better to have a live conversation. But I'll also mention, because I'm sure some of the folks that are listening right now have chorus or gong or, you know, there's more and more of them coming on online all the time. And One of the things that I found at Instructure was our product teams and our demand gen teams and others were so hungry for access to those sales call recordings, not because they wanted to inspect how good the salesperson was. They wanted to hear how customers react to our, you know, when they're talking about product and they want to see that physical, they want to hear. And so that was another, uh, another potential, you know, if, if, if anyone listening has that kind of tech, you probably have a whole bunch of customer conversations that you can go and search and find just what, what sort of conversation you're interested in hearing. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Did, Did, um, how, how does this approach address some of the common sales enablement problems in your experience?
2: Yeah, so one that I kind of alluded to earlier is the, the buyer journey or the the revenue cycle, kind of however you want to refer to it. Um, and I think one kind of um, example of a problematic approach to that. Uh, again, like I referred to earlier is that, you know, your sales team may be, may be over-promising. The customer success team is kind of saddled with delivering what you've, what you've mm-hmm. promised, right? And maybe mm-hmm. struggling with that if there isn't good alignment. And then worst case is your customers aren't happy and, and they churn, right? That's That's what you don't want to happen. And I think, you know, plugging in something like a customer certification, not going to You know, solve all problems in the world, but I think it does help um, by building empathy on your go to market team. Um, Because, you know, what we're doing is having our whole go to market team, as well as some beta customers, go through this certification, Mm -hmm. which I think will bring a lot of clarity to our sales team about, you know, we're not just telling them what the ROI that our customers will experience will be. They're kind of experiencing it, right. By going mm-hmm. through this. Um, so creating that empathy, that, that shared experience. And then, you know, the, the direct end customer, your actual customers are getting the the value of getting up to speed faster by having a, um, a program in place.
1: Something else that I've seen when, when you're doing that, with a good methodology. And, you know, we could have a whole episode on what the right things are in a good sales methodology. But one of the things that I have seen is any, any of them should have be teaching or enabling the the salespeople to uncover business outcomes and object, you know, things they can't do now. Right. So nobody talks to salespeople for a hobby, nobody I know at least. And so <laughs> if they're, if they're choosing to talk to a salesperson, there's something, something's broken. There's something that they can't do. So it's up to the salesperson to, have to figure that out. But in the process of collecting, what are the outcomes and the things that you're looking for? I don't know if salespeople always realize this, but they're also collecting success metrics. It's just two sides of the same coin but how often does do those notes get transferred over to the cs team that's just another thing i've seen is if you know look at when people look at their sales methodology and making sure that that those that whatever you're teaching your reps make sure they're collecting those kinds of business case inputs and then how are you going to get those over to cs as metrics um, so they can measure and know if a customer is is getting what they wanted out of it absolutely there's is I, I want to pivot to to another topic here was there anything else um in that area that that you wanted to to discuss before we change topic a little bit
2: I think that covered it I love what you added to about the um uh kind of taking those pain points and using that to I've experienced that as a customer right when I've had a great customer success rep take my my pain points verbatim and then each quarter in our, our quarterly meetings and ongoing, we're kind of checking the boxes and I'm, I'm seeing the value I'm getting from the product. So yeah, I, I love how you added that. I think that.
1: There's also a lot of talk right now and I suspect by the time this airs, it'll still be going on um, about companies in the current economic environment feeling like um, that they just can't afford budget for enablement we've just been talking about some, you know, more comprehensive types of enablement. Um, how would that apply in, 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 in this challenge that'll, that some teams or a lot of teams are having, which is showing that, that it's not a cost center, um, that, that it's an investment, the money for the enablement is what I meant. Um, yeah. How, how, how can they be better at addressing that with this model?
2: Yeah. So I think, it's, it's one more kind of tool in the toolkit or one more story that you can use. And it's, there's a really clear tie to your ROI. So in the case of, um, like customer onboarding or, or customer certification, you have that very clear leading indicator that you have with most training, right. Of, you know, the customers that are going through it, the percent completion of training, the, you know, if you have well-worded or, or hands-on kind of exam questions, you get insights on, you know, what, what customers are doing well in your platform and, and maybe some challenge areas. But beyond that, this would be specific to, to whatever company you're at, but it's your your net promoter score, right? If your customers are more satisfied, hopefully, after after going through this training because they're getting more value out of your product that's a a really clear metric that you can deliver to the business. Um, and same with, you know, if you're having um, customers churn or maybe customers that are requiring a lot of handholding by your customer mm-hmm. success team, both of those have different, you know, operational efficiency, efficiency metrics and ROI metrics. If you're, if it's a difference between keeping or losing a customer, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it just opens up like a lot of new stories that you can you can deliver to the business about the value of enablement.
1: When you came into your role, or maybe it was even in a previous role, was was the mandate always to be looking across customer success and, and the other PS teams and customers? Or is that an expansion that you identified? I, I think people kind of be helpful if they kind of knew your journey to where you're, you know got to what you're doing?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so no is the answer. Um, you know, my first pro I've been at this company at Hunter's for just over a year. And the first initiative was sales onboarding content repository and ongoing sales training. Sounds um, so yeah,
1: <laughs> the whole novel,
2: <laughs> novel programs, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I started there, but I think that how I got to this customer certification project was by going back to doing a really good current state analysis, right? Of And mm-hmm. I started by doing that for which led to the sales onboarding program and the content repository and et cetera. Um, but I think when you really kind of zoom out and you think about that full, you know, buying journey and, and revenue cycle we talked about earlier, um, and you talk to more teams and get a clearer picture, then you can pinpoint, you know, you're you're looking at your company internally for different pain points where you can improve, right? Mm-hmm. Um so by really zooming out and taking a lot of time on the current state analysis is is how I landed at the the customer certification. So
1: what recommendations do you have for somebody that thinks they should be exploring that same thing for their company or their teams?
2: I would think about the, the skills that you have in sales enablement first, right? Because mm-hmm. it's called sales enablement, but, um, you know, things like the onboarding program, effective content management, those can be applied in in areas broader than just sales enablement. So really, kind of mm-hmm. think through the the broader value of of what you're delivering, and then, like we talked about, I would you know talk to and, and get time on the calendar with members of your customer success team that are having conversations with your customers, and ask them about the things, you know, like onboarding, for example, what what is the customer onboarding experience? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what, how much time are you spending with these customers? What are they asking you? What are some of the the challenge areas that we're having? Um, so it's kind of doing the same thing that you would do in setting up your, your sales enablement program, but with your, your customer success team
1: how was your idea you know received when you first started to socialize it with some of the other leaders that probably weren't thinking about what you do that much
2: yeah um i will say it was a very clear need and kind of shared pain point with mm-hmm. the customer experience team and mm-hmm. it's kind of a good problem to have right if you're you're growing and you're scaling and you need something like this for for the customers um so that piece was in place and then I had to kind of get the the green light from our, our management team, right. The executive mm-hmm. management team. So really thinking through, you know, what were the operational benefits for the company? Um, how does this apply to like, why me, why should someone in sales enablement take on this, mm-hmm. um, this training? And, um, then how are you going to deliver it? And, it wasn't a like a quick win by any means. We went through a lot of iterations of um what the the actual training curriculum should look like, like what the content level is, you know how our customers are actually going to be getting value from it from the the modules um, so it really was a full um, you know presenting multiple versions of of what this final outcome would be before landing on it so I guess that's my, my number two tip would be after you do have an idea about something, um, mm-hmm. make sure the pain point is, is clear and understood. And if that is a true pain to the business, be agile with how you're, you're prescribing your solution. Um, cause it's, you know, in this case, it was probably the third, uh, solution that we landed on. So don't, okay. don't be afraid to kind of go back to the drawing board.
1: And I would think that when a byproduct of you having those conversations and initiating them um, was that you were starting to be seen as more of a strategy player rather than just a a provider of training, because, you know, you'd be bringing like some thought leadership that perhaps no one had really put two and two together, like, you know, before and now you're thinking of some of these things. So I would think that would help to elevate your whole program.
2: I hope so. It's still i I'll come back on and uh, I'll let you know how that one goes. Let's know
1: how it goes. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, before we let you go, I would love to have you just drop a little more knowledge on everybody. And it's the time travel scenario, right? You're given the gift of going back and having a one-on-one with any younger version of yourself, but you can only cover one topic. What's that big thing that you wish you'd understood earlier?
2: when I was thinking about this question, I, my brain was in, in business mode and enablement mode. So I kind of answered with respect to career path and kind of Mm -hmm. what, what choices I would make with respect to that. And for me, I thinking back to when I was graduating high school, I stressed out so much about which college I would go to, which degree, what I would major in, um, Mm -hmm. all these decisions that in hindsight, they're just choices. You make a million of them and you know, you're not defined by any, you're really not defined by any one choice. It's kind of a Mm -hmm. series of, of opportunities that you get to experience. So, um, I guess that was my, my advice is just keep going and, and experimenting and, and trying new, new things and you'll get into a a sales enablement role that you really enjoy.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thanks for spending time with us today. Uh, You're busy. We really appreciate time you put into preparing and recording. So want you to know, we appreciate that. And I'm sure everybody listening does as well. Also want to say thank you to everybody who just listened to our conversation. If people are curious about about, you know, any of these topics that we've been talking about, is the best way to reach and connect with you LinkedIn?
2: Yes, I'm usually on top of my LinkedIn, so feel free to to reach out and I'm always happy to to make time to chat.
1: All right. So, thanks. So, there you go. If, uh, you know, as you've, as you've been listening, you want to continue the conversation, Megan would love to hear from you. So, thank you again for investing your time,
0: and I hope you'll be back here in two weeks when we'll have a new guest and a new topic. Thanks for joining this episode of Stories from the Trenches. For more sales enablement resources, be sure to join the Sales Enablement Society at sesociety.org. That's S-E-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y.org.